Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. I am excited for City Girl Retreat here in just about three weeks. If you haven't gotten registered yet, be sure to check it out at the booth right after service. And uh, also for City Changers Night this Thursday at 6.30. What is City Changers Night? Well, it's for the team of my city. So everyone that you see around here that makes today and everything that happened at my city happen, that night's for them. But if you're wanting to be a part of what God is doing here at My City Church, and you want to say, hey, where can I best fit? Where can I help serve this house? You can also come to City Changers Night, hear a little bit about our teams. It's not like we're going to share, hey, this team's for this, this team's for that. We're not going to do that. We're actually going to be having a praise party. And we're going to be speaking into the culture of the church. And then uh, you'll have time afterwards if you want to sign up for a team. It's completely up to you. But uh, hey, make sure that you make Thursday, 6.30 p.m. at HQ. Child care six and under is available. But we want all the other kids in the praise party with us jumping up and down celebrating. So uh, six and under. And then, uh, yeah, that's this Thursday at 6.30. But I'm excited to share the word of God with you today. Great job being in the house of God. How many of you guys ready for the word of God? In the house of God, come on, come on. I am excited to talk to you guys about money. Oh, here they go again, money again. I I actually, I I love talking about money. I think I have a unique perspective uh, more than most pastors, and not because I'm patting myself on the back here, but uh, I've worked construction for 15 plus years. I only recently became uh, a lead pastor, so I have a good perspective of, of different worlds. I think that can help. Uh, bring uh, strength to our church. And uh, not to bring validity to what I'm saying, I'm going to be pointing a lot to the Word of God today. And it's my hope that you don't receive a man's opinion, but you receive a word conviction. Hello, amen. I believe in that today. So if you have your Bibles, where we're going to be living today, and we're not going to dive right into this, we're actually going to go into the title and then just give a little bit of the background. Mostly we are going to be living in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Before we dive into that, I'm going to be doing Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 8. And so we're going to be talking about in our first sermon series, uh, our first week of the sermon series called To the Moon. Who's familiar with that phrase? To the moon! Dogecoin! Bitcoin! To the moon! And, and nothing's really going to the moon right now. More of it's like digging its pit in hell um, and then getting dirt thrown on top of it time and time again. Uh, but I want to talk to you guys just around this idea in money in church and how God looks at money. I want to talk to you guys about this topic. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's not about the money. It's not about the money. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's true. I pray that you would speak through your servant today. God, I pray that we would, uh, uh, any kind of presuppositions we have in regards to your view on money that doesn't align with your word, I pray that you would help us to have truth be revealed today. Speak through your servant today. Open our eyes to, he- eyes to see you, our ears to hear you today. God, we're hungry for you. Would you speak to us right now? Open up your hands, church, and say these words after me. Say these words. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for Jesus today. Hey. Now, if you've been around church for a while, you've heard of this one word known as the tithe. 
If you are familiar with what the tithe is or believe you're familiar with it, would you raise your hand? The tithe. I've heard that word before in church. I've been in church almost my whole life. I know the word tithe. So here the church is talking about money again. Why does the church talk about money? Almost every single week we talk about money. Now I want to be able to lay some, some, some groundwork on what the reason why we talk about money is because we spend five days of our week working for money. So it's a big part of our lives. And for the church not to talk about money, it would do you a disservice. It would be like, hey, let me talk about these things, these fairy tales and all these things, which are not fairy tales, they're true stories that have transformed people's lives. Let me just tell you about all this cool stuff, but let me not ever tell you, talk to you about anything that is applicable to your life. Well, money is applicable to your life. We spend most of our time trying to accumulate money. So I believe it's pertinent that we talk about money. Now, this word tithe is derived from the Old Testament. It's mentioned in the book of Exodus. These are like the first three, four books of the Bible. You have Exodus, uh, not really Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy talks about the tithe. But many of you may think that that is a law given to the people of God. That, hey, giving the 10% was a law. Well, actually, the tithe existed before the law was given to the Israelites. Did you know that Abraham gave the tithe? Now, he would not call it the tithe. He gave, in response to God's deliverance, 10% over to God. The tithe is just a fancy way of saying tenth. Tenth. I'm giving a tenth of all that I have over to God. So Abraham, before the law, gave the tithe. Jacob, before the law, gave the tithe. Now, this is not just a construct developed by man, but it is one given by God for the people to continue to show their gratitude to the Lord. Now, the reason why the tithe is important, and if you bear with me, this entire message will build off of itself and we'll be able to go back to the beginning. But the reason why the tithe is important or was important for Israel is largely for remembrance. It was largely for thanking God for what God had done for them. If you were here just a, a few weeks ago, Pastor Danny preached a brilliant message about prosperity and poverty, and he would use the word reverential. It is about revering God or being in revere of him and what he has done. Am I using that word right, revere? I don't know if I am. I'm looking at Kelsey because she's the teacher. Yeah, okay, so she's, all right, hey, good job. I like to have fun in church, and so every once in a while, if I'm, I don't want to just go off as if I know have it all figured out. So, all right, but it's important to remember God. And this is one of my favorite passages in regards to giving back to God. It's Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10. It's when it's before they were in the promised land, God says through Moses to the people, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful. Why does he say be careful? Because it's so easy to forget God. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied. God isn't saying that this is bad. It's not good to have more. It's part of the blessing. It's part of the blessing of God, so don't curse it. He says when you've eaten and satisfied, when you have all this gold and silver and you build houses and you have everything that you have is multiplied, God's not saying that's bad. He said, but then your heart will become proud if you forget. 
and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless wasteland with his venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of the rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and also so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Write this down today. This is the first thing I want you to remember out of this message today is that giving financially is not an action to get God's promise, but a response to his position. It's not an action, well, I need to give money because I need God on my side. Well, this bad thing is happening in my life because I haven't given money. I mean, we've gone there before. Our car breaks down. Man, it's probably because I missed my tithe this week. Okay, let me ask you. Let me just, let me just ask this. So when you give the tithe, does that like earn God's grace and favor? So is it like merit theology where the more good things I do, the better God is to me? Or is it that he has freely given us all things and it's not about my works so that no man can boast. It's about the grace of God. Now, I know that verse is talking about salvation, but it's also applicable to our lives in every facet thereof. Every part of my life, I do not earn anything that God gives me. It says, remember the Lord who gives you the good land that he has given you. He gave it to you. He gave you the ability. So I am going to remember the Lord, not earn the Lord. I don't deserve anything this side of heaven from God. But he gives freely to those that he calls his children, people that have been submitted to his ways and submitted to his will, people that have aligned themselves with Jesus, not necessarily in action, but in heart. But you can't transform the heart in action, not follow. You got to be able to remember that today. You can't transform the heart in action, not follow. James says, I will show you my faith by my works. So we don't give in response to get his provision, but response to his position. His position as provider, not you as a provider. Knowing that he is the provider of everything that I need, he is giving provision so that I can abound in every good work. So I give in response to his position. What keeps us so from giving response in his, to his position is when we serve money more than we serve God. You write this today that when we trust wealth more than God, we make wealth our God. So we spend, some of us spend 40 hours a week, and some of you are like, no, I read that four-day work, four work week book, and I read, four. anyways, it's a good book. I'm not dissing or anything. You know, grow yourself, apply yourself, you know. But uh, uh, many of us spend at least 40 hours a week in work. And how many hours a week do we spend with the Lord? Now, I'm not saying that the church is just your devotion to the Lord. It's part of it. 
Okay? Paul said it this way, I go around and I'm praying all the time. I'm, 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 I'm ministering to the Lord all the time. I'm not, I'm not just clocking in, well, today, right now, I got my Christian hat on, and now I got my business hat on, and I completely forget about the Lord. It's no, and everything my hand finds to do, I do it with all of my might as if I'm doing it for the Lord. So I don't clock in and clock out on serving the Lord, but many times we forget God in order to produce wealth. It's just our goal. In order, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, and now I make wealth my God, and God is more of a substitute because I'm giving it all my time and all my hours. And all, Now, I'm not, I, I want to be able to give you a good perspective on money today, but I have to lay a groundwork of, of where money can be used poorly or, 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 or wrongly. And just a few verses that, that speak to this is Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, and Luke 16, verse 13. says that you cannot serve God and money. It says either you love one or hate the other, or you hate one and love the other. Uh, many of us had heard that money is the root of all evil. Well, that's not really true. It says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And now I want to jump to our story in Mark chapter 10. So just laying that, that groundwork, if we have it in the wrong order, it becomes our God, and God is no longer our God, but money is our God. And here we are in Mark chapter 10. There's this young, well-to-do man. He's known as the rich young ruler. He has everything figured out for him, finances. He's following the law to a T, and he's trying to find that one thing that money cannot buy, the one thing that nothing else in this world can provide and that is actually purpose in eternal life. So he's going, he says, he comes up to Jesus. It says that he falls on his knees and says to the Lord, God, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus goes, what are you, why are you calling me a teacher? There's no one good except our Father in heaven. Basically acknowledging that the man was seeing him as a representative of God, if not therefore God himself incarnate. Okay, so he knew who this person was. He knew who Jesus was. Coming up to him, asking him, Jesus, how do I obtain eternal life? And Jesus responds to him. He says, you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud, defraud honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Yet there was something still missing in him to feel like he was missing it. All these, all these commandments I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Can I tell you today that regardless of where you are at in your perspective of money, God still loves you and his door is still open to you. But there's some things that have to be in order. He looked at him and loved him. And he said, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, this isn't a message to show that God wants you to be poor. That's not what is derived from this passage. Many of us would look at it and say, well, go sell everything, and if you haven't sold everything, you're not really following Jesus. That's not what God is saying here. He says, go sell your possessions, and you will have riches in heaven. You see, money wasn't the problem for this man. The problem was the young man's heart towards money. The Bible says he went away because he had great wealth. So I think the better way to say it wouldn't be that he had great wealth, but that great wealth had him. 
And you've got to know this today, that Jesus was not after his money. Jesus was after his heart. And God will always ask for what has you if he doesn't have you. See, money had him, and Jesus saw right through that. He knew that. That was the one thing that was going to keep him because his God wasn't Jesus. It was money. So he told them that in order to have eternal life, he needed to surrender what he had to Jesus. Can I tell you that if you can't give it away, you do not have it. It has you. If you cannot at any moment, and this is a hard teaching here, so take it, take it for what it is. This is something I feel like the Lord's growing me in and if at any moment God asks for it, and you're saying, God, I can't give that away, you do not have it, it has you. Your car, for example. Would you be able to give your car away if God asked for it? I don't think I could. I'm just being honest with you. And God works in steps, usually. Because what I've found when I've given money away to people or I've given things to people, I used to be the type of person if someone said, hey, I like those shoes, I would take them off my feet and I said, you want them? I used to do that. I don't do that anymore. So don't come up. <laughs> I, but if the Lord asked me, I had this one person, they gave me this brand new pair of $150 construction shoes. These were real nice. Like I want to say I looked them up and they were actually $200 and he said he got them for like $150. And he handed them to me, and God said, those aren't for you. I want to give them to someone else. And I knew who that was. The Holy Spirit revealed that to me, and I walked over to that person and said, hey, I feel like I am blessed to be a blessing. I didn't say it that way. I felt like, hey, I felt like I'm supposed to give these shoes to you. But in my heart, I knew that I was blessed to be a blessing. And this is what I found out, that whenever God asks something from you, he is not trying to get something from you but he is trying to get something to you. When we give with that in mind, if we give first thinking, well, I'm gonna give so that I can get, that's the wrong order. But everything I have is the Lord's and all in it thereof, everything I have is God's. And if God asks for it, it's because he's trying to do something with it. And he will not leave me, he will not leave me stranded, he'll provide for me. And what I found is that as I have given freely, I have received freely as well. That I almost get to the point where I'm excited. I usually don't carry cash in my wallet because God usually asks me to give it away. So I've learned just to walk around with my credit cards. And uh, sometimes I intentionally leave my wallet, not today, God, you know? <laughs> and I just bring my credit card. It's a bad way to live. I don't not, I, you know, because there's, there's, there's been several times in my life where I'll just be sitting in an area and God will say, hey, give this person this money. And this is through operating of the spirit that we, we talked a little bit about in September, and I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here. We talked about words of knowledge and uh, how it flows through a believer and that God can use you. God wants to work through you to be a light into the city. And usually he does that through the power of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so accompanied with giving, a gift of giving and generosity and a word of knowledge, it can transform someone's life. So I can go up to a person and hand them $100 and I say, hey, I feel like this is for one of your kid's birthdays. And I was looking at a little girl. I said, I think this is for her birthday. I felt like the Lord told me to give this to you. And it wasn't for her. It was for her older son that wasn't there because she's having a tough time. Anyways, long story, she wasn't really connecting with her son and she didn't know what to do, but it was his birthday tomorrow and she didn't know what to get him. And 
here she just has some money. God's saying, hey, I want you to get your son something really nice. You know, and that's the company, that's because you're open. And what I found is that I was more eager to give that to this lady, not because I was worried about the money, but something leaped in my spirit. Like, I get to be a part of something bigger than just me. I get to be a part of something bigger. I get to be a part, and not only that, but I've realized now when God asks it from me, it's because he's trying to get something to me, not take something away from me. So he's asking this man for, he says, sell everything because he knows that's what's keeping him from having eternal life. So and for us, we got we to gotta always keep this in mind, that God will always ask for what has our hearts. He will always ask for what has our hearts. And so if something, if football has your hearts, oh, don't go there, Pastor Eli. <laughs> if golf has your hearts, oh, what is that? It's called an idol. Something that I am more excited for. Something, now, there's nothing wrong with being excited. That's probably the wrong word to you. Something that I'm giving more attention to than God. God will ask for that. Okay? So write this down today that money is not evil. Money is a tool. This is important because when we see someone with a nice house or a nice car, and we have thoughts that come to our mind about that person and how they really, if they really loved God, they would sell everything and give it all to the poor. Okay, Judas. Judas said that. You should just sell that and give it all to the poor. And Jesus rebuked Judas for that perception of what was happening. Okay, so if that were the case, if we looked at people that had all these things and we're like, man, if they really loved God, they would just sell everything. That's between them and God. If we read through Romans 14, it talks a lot about that. That is between them and God. Because they will one day have to give an account for what they stewarded here on earth. You're not their steward, God is. And if they did it in response to you, therefore, God is not their God, you're their God. So for you, you can share things. Hey, you know, you can share honest feedback with, with friends and relatives and be like, hey, you know, things of that sort. But don't prejudge them. Because I found that many of us would have judged Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And we would have cursed the blessing that God in heaven gave them because we don't understand it. See, money is not evil. Money is a tool. If money is evil, then let's just say we all drive to our jobs five days a week, getting there on time to get more of the evil stuff. I mean, that doesn't even make sense. So we drive there, get there on time to get the evil stuff, but we show up late to church to get the God stuff. See, money's not evil. Money is just a tool. And in the hand of a righteous person can make a kingdom difference. Okay, and it's all God's to begin with. Haggai 2.8 says this, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. That all of it is the Lord's. So you may think that it's yours, but it's actually God's. He says, this is all mine. I entrust you with it as a steward. I'm entrusting you with it as a steward. So since it's all his, can I tell you that he doesn't need it? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. When we go up and we say, hey, you should give generously, you should be a person that isn't just holding on to a money trying to just accumulate, but actually distributing the blessing according to what God has asked of you. We're not asking that, we're not saying that because it's good for 
the, the, the church or God needs your money or anything of that sort. What we're saying is that you cannot have money. You cannot have, let me rephrase this. I'm really losing track and I apologize. You can have money, but if you're not able to give money, you don't have money. Money has you. Okay, so God doesn't want your money. He wants you. It's all God's. Man just doesn't, man just does what man does and they corrupt it. Okay? So get this right here today. That Proverbs 23, 4 says, do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone. For they will surely sprout rings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. This is a money concept that you need to understand that money is fluid, not stagnant. It's like a river. And any person that has made a significant amount of money knows this. That they know that it comes easy, but it also disappears easy too. But if it disappeared easy, then it can come easy again. And some of us, we're, we're working our jobs just trying to save our way and accumulate more. And God's saying, no, 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 money is like a current. It's like a, it's like a fluid. It's like as you give, it, it, like it comes back to you running over. Like as you plant, then, it, then, then, then you, he who plants sparingly will reap sparingly, but he who plants, it, it, it's like a fluid. So in your life, as you try it, and this is what Proverbs is saying, is that don't wear yourself out to get rich. Don't trust in your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches and they're gone. They're just going to disappear. It's like trying to grab hold of oil. Because when is it ever enough? So once you have it, is that enough? Well, once I get my car, once I get the BMW X3, then that's enough. But then I see the Maserati. When is it enough? The house, three-car three garage, four-bedroom, two-bath, walk-in shower. But then the patio with the built-in grill. I need that sunshade too. It's just more, 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 more. And it never satisfies because I'm seeking for wealth to satisfy me. I'm looking for possessions to satisfy me. Let me ask you, when is it enough? Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Verse 11, as goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast their own eyes on them? See, we're not called to just to accumulate. We're called to put it to use. Put it to use. Not for this side of heaven, but for eternity. Jesus was saying, give it and you will have treasures in heaven. Treasures in heaven. So we go back to this man. Back to the story of the rich young ruler who God told to give him everything. This young man obeyed the whole commandments. So you could say he was a tither. He tied that 10%. He obeyed all the commandments, at least as much as he could. And we find that Jesus is asking for more. Because Jesus wasn't after his money, he was after his heart. And if God only gets from you that 10%, does he really have access to all of you? And so when we go around life, and I'm more so speaking against a spirit that thinks of a person that they are better than other people because they tithe. But I'm also speaking to a one that thinks if they tithe, they've done everything that God has asked them to do. That I want to be the type of person, and I want this house to be the type of church 
that we realize that if God's asking for it, it's not because he needs it, nor because he wants it, but he's trying to get things to you. He's trying to unlock things. And if you know how kingdom principle works, God works through principles of sowing and harvesting. He works through that. Now, I'm not doing it to get, but I understand how it works. I understand kingdom principle. Because if I'm giving just so that, well, I want to be able to get a lot, that's the wrong heart. But if you just have the heart saying, God, I'm going to be faithful with what I have, how much do you want me to give? Okay, is it a certain percentage amount? Is it a certain money? There should be something that wells up into our hearts that we have encountered God so much that he says, hey, this is what Zacchaeus did, the tax collector. He said that when he encountered God is that he gave back anyone that he had wronged, even four times over, because there was a response that, well, now that I have salvation, what is money? Now that I have eternity, what is money? Now, some of you may take this message and say, oh, God wants you to be poor. That's not what I'm saying. So what are you living for? God wants to bless you, this side of heaven as well. But I'll get into that next week just a little bit. Okay. What good was it for the man to get the man's money, Jesus said, if he still trusted in himself for eternal life? So the man was saying, God, what do I need to do? Do you get this? He said, what do I need to do to get eternal life? And God points to his money. This is the same Jesus that said, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his only son, right? This is the same John 6, 316 Jesus saying to the man, sell everything, give it to the poor, then come follow me. He didn't say, hey, young, rich, young ruler, all you need to do is just believe in me. No, no, no. He said, show me your faith. Show me your faith by your works. Show it to me. And there's this weird idea going around right now within church about the tithe. Is the tithe for today? Is the tithe a biblical concept for today? And they use verses such as, well, that's Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled the law. And so now we're looking at the church today and we say, does the church still tithe? I would look at it within context. Abraham gave in response to God's position and God's provision, not necessarily by God's command. If you give in response to God's command, you're doing it for the wrong reason. It's as simple as that. You give in response to his position, and that's really how you receive it. You see that it's his provision, like he's providing for you, his position as provider. Okay, so they'll use scriptures such as uh, Acts 15. Acts 15, we have the, the Jerusalem council. They're talking about the Holy Spirit and salvation coming to the Jews. And they're saying, they only said four things. He says, stay away from the, this is good, this is good. He says, stay away from idols, stay away from food sacrifice idols, stay away from blood, and stay away from sexual immorality, all that, and because we don't want to hinder the advancement of the church. And this has been used as an argument that giving financially has hindered the church. Okay, so Acts 15, those are talking about what they were not to do, not what they were to do. And what I found is that people that have presented this argument usually present it from the standpoint of tithing is a hindrance, not an opportunity. Do you see the mindset shift here? 
when you look at it as a hindrance, that's what it will be. But when you look at it as an opportunity to not only just plant seeds and treasures in heaven, but also to advance the kingdom here on earth, it's a different perspective. So it's not gonna hinder, that's the wrong heart. If you're looking at it, well, this is, this is gonna hinder people, so I'm not ever gonna talk to someone. No, it actually frees you up to not depend on money. So Jesus is asking for the money because the money has the guy. He has the young man and Jesus is asking from it. He said, if you just let that go, you'll have life that is truly life. Okay, so Jesus looks at him, Mark 10, 23. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Basically, he saw the man walk away. He didn't chase him. Well, let me just lower it. Let me just lower his hand. Maybe if you just sold half. Doesn't matter, it still had the man's heart because Jesus is after our hearts, our hearts, not after our money. He's after our hearts. It's not about the money. It wasn't about the money, it was about his heart. In the same way Jesus was about the rich young man's heart, he's after your heart as well. And he knows that you can't serve both God and money. Otherwise, you'll forget the Lord and think about the strength of my hands that has produced this for me. Can I tell you, your giving is not to get right with God. What is that? Because salvation, like, I'm already right with God. All I got to do is re repent. I can turn to God. I've been a bad person. I just need to give money. It's not in the Bible. It's not to get right with God. Your giving is not to get more of God. Your giving is in response to all that God has done for you. So we said at the beginning, giving financially is not an action to get God's provision, but a response to his position. So now I want to go New Testament a little bit. We're talking about the tithe. Is the tithe relevant for today? Is the tithe something that we all need to be practicing as a believer? I would say that if you are not giving freely, then your works do not match with your faith. I think that's a better way to say it. Because if we make it about a number, then it stops at that number. Okay? And what I found is some people, if this is, this is the New Testament they gave way, it's, it's easily argued that they gave way above and beyond the 10%. It said they were selling their homes and selling land and giving it. And some of us have hiccups at the 10%. And I think the reason why is because the culture of the United States, you go to Africa and they say, we get to give. It is our privilege to be able to be a steward of what God has entrusted and be able to give financially. It's an opportunity. But here in the United States, last week we talked about consumer Christianity versus contributing Christianity. I think also we can be victims of consumer Christianity. And so the reason why tithing is a hot topic in the United States, I think it's because it's become an idol. I think it's because it's about how much we can get, not how much we can give. I think it's about status, not about trust. I think we've made money our idol. And the best way to, to, to keep money from being in your, an idol is to start giving it away. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that, and that's, that's kind of a hard, but let me, let me just share with some New Testament scripture verses. So this is 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. This is about a gift that the church in Corinthians was going to give 
to the Lord's people in Judea. It says, now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So he's saying, each one of you should set aside something, just something. What does that look like? This is my hope, is whether you, you tithe 10%. Now, you can't really tithe 5% because tithe means 10 so it's like you would be better off saying, like, I give 10% or I give 5%. You know, what I want to encourage you with is to grow in trust of the Lord. And if he asks it from you, it's not because he's trying to take something from you. It's because he's trying to get something to you. So no matter where you're at, whether you're a person that does 5%, 2%, 10%, 15%, 20%, 25%, 50%, how amazing would that be? Be able to bless so many people. This is what I find odd. I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here. This is what I find odd is because so many people love money, okay? When we give of our money to a person that loves money, we basically fly in the face of the love of money, the God of money, the worship of money, because now we're giving it freely to someone who considers it their idol. Does this make does this make any sense? So you as a person giving freely to someone else can help destroy the idol and the love of money in their own heart. Because this person just gave it to me. Now a wrong mind that receives it poorly will be like, yeah, that's because I'm, I deserve all this because I'm a good person, anything like that. That's between them and God. But I get to partake in eternity by trying to make an eternal impact with present finances. That's just a little bit of a thing. So the, talking about New Testament here, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And this is an important thing for us all to understand today. That if I am giving out of reluctance, you're better off just keeping it. I mentioned something at Vision Builders. I regretted it. But I think it was, I don't regret it because I think it was scriptural. Hey, if you're feeling compelled to give right now because of something that I said and not because of something stirring within your heart, well, I need to give because my pastor looks at it. I don't look at it. I mean, we manage the budget and we make sure that we have, there's resources within the church. But I'm not looking at it being like, yeah, so-and-so gave money and so-and-so didn't. For you, for you, don't think of it as what I'm looking at or pastor says this. It's got to be, I'm not out of reluctancy or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. A person that realizes, man, I have been given so much. So if God asks for it, if God asks for all the cash in my wallet, and the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, this thing has you. And I need you to let go of it so that I can have. I think it's important for all of us as believers to get there. I don't expect all of us to get there today or tomorrow, but I think at some point we should get to it where, God, this is all yours. And it's weird that as a child trusts the father, the father wants to be able to give to the child. Eva came up to me today before service and says, Papa, I need a dollar. And I was like, what do you need a dollar for? Because I need it because I, I, I want to go get a drink out of the that they have like pop machines out there. And you can stand to your feet. We'll close with this. 
she came up to me and she's like, I need a dollar. I said, all right. And I said these words, I can't believe they came out of my mouth. I said, you don't think you could go around and hustle some people for a quarter? All you need to do is just get four people. She already, she already got one quarter from someone else. I don't know where she got it from. She brought it. Okay, was that the money that she was supposed to give to the church? Okay, good. No, no. Hey, Eva, no. So she said, I need a dollar. And in my head, I'm like, well, you should just. But I had, I had money in my wallet that she doesn't know of, right? And this little girl, as much as she can, she tries to remember to bring money to church. Sometimes she gives all of her money to church. And me as a, my, my worldly self is like, don't do that. That's all your money. And she said this one time. She said, well, God gave it all to me. Okay. And that's where it started to shift in my head. Like they had this thing. There was a few hundred dollars. And it's empty now. And they don't buy stuff. They just give it. And I think Jesus said these words. Anyone who comes to the kingdom has to come like a child, right? So he looks at this rich young ruler and he sees that he's not coming like a child. He's coming like an adult. God wants us all to come as children to him, right? In order to receive the healing of heaven, we gotta come as children. So she comes up to me and asks for that, that dollar and I said, the fact that she knows that I have it and that she wants it, not that she needs it, Anything that you need. Well, she just wants juice. It was a juice. And Kelly says, you know what she's going to do with that? And I'm like, yeah. She's going to go buy some juice. But I didn't say this to Kelly. I said, in my heart, I'm like, I want her to be happy. Because she came to me and asked for it. She came to me. Which means that she trusts me in my position as my provider for her. Not necessarily of what I could give her that my position of being a provider for it. And I believe that's what God wants for all of us. And that's why it can be hard and we can hold on to money so much is because it's actually a surrendering of our entire lives over to Jesus. And sometimes money is the last thing to go. So I'll close with this. It's not about the money. He's not after your money. He is after your heart. So I want to take a moment. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that the, the, that's good. Father, I pray for your people that the, 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 the chains of wealth, not even just wealth, but the love of money, the love of money would break off of your people. God, I pray that we would have kingdom mindsets, that money isn't evil, it's just a tool. That those that may have a, a, a poverty mindset thinking that God doesn't want you to have anything, God, I thank you that you Give freely to us that we may abound in every good work. So I pray that you would help us to increase in those good works. That we wouldn't even limit you by saying, hey, well, I did my fair share. I paid my 10%. Or you know what? I just can't. I'm, I'm going to, God, we'd be people that would trust you in whatever you're asking, God. If it's 10%, if it's 5 if it's 15 if it's 50 I pray that you would help us to grow. God, if it's 90 God, it's all yours. And if you got it through us, you can certainly get it to us. And besides, it's not even about this side of heaven. God, it's about eternity, having treasures stored up in heaven. So God, I pray that if money has us, that we would be able to lay it at your feet today. 
God, I pray for those that are worried about how they're going to be making ends meet or those that are saying, I, I don't even know how I could give. God, I pray that they would be able to trust you, that they would find their hearts trusting you and their lives trusting you, not in the wealth or the money that they have in their wallet or their bank account or their purse. God, but they find themselves trusting you as their provider. But that doesn't mean that they're being ignorant. God, and they're not applying themselves to actually work. God, but I pray that they would find their hope and their trust in you. And if at any time we have put money above you, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would do what you do best. And that would be that you bring conviction. Because you want us to be right before you, God. So I pray that you would help each and every single giver to give freely as you have placed it on their heart to give, not out of reluctancy or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God, I pray that you would bless them and that you would keep them. God, as they apply themselves, I pray that you would continue to bless their resources, their finances, overflow with blessing. Just right now, I want you to open up your hands. Open up your hands and receive this today. Father, I pray that as people trust you, that you would show yourself to be a provider and that you would flow them over with blessings and opportunities, business opportunities, and contracts, business ideas, favor and employment, raises, job promotions. As we are your people, aligning ourselves with your word, God, I pray that we would shine brighter than ever before to a world that is obsessed with money. God, that we would be one that shines a light on it and says, hey, there's a better way to live. Father, I thank you for your people. Would you watch over them and cover them? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.